my name's Karen O'Connor and you're listening to Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood, the podcast that looks at all aspects of women's lives from hormones and health to relationships, finance and social justice issues. You can connect with me on social media at at karen If you enjoy this podcast or podcast in general and you've been wondering whether you should start your own podcast, head on over to speakuppodcasting.com to find out just how easy and cheap it is to start podcasting. Now let's get right into it. Hello and welcome. I'm here today with Julia Brown, who is all about a uh, cause that is very close to my heart. Welcome, Julia. Thank you very much for having me. I'm so glad to be here, Karen. Uh, so I put a call out for people who had a cause that was close to middle-aged women's hearts the other day. But as luck would have it, my daughter went on Facebook and saw a post about what you're doing and put me onto it at the same, just before I saw your email. It was really interesting. Oh, so I'd actually signed everything. Oh, I was in the middle of signing it as I got your email because you started, you and a group of friends started uh, a change.org petition about compulsory yeah. education about menopause for GPs in Australia. And that's really great to hear. That just goes to show because, as you said, literally we're a small group of friends. I think there's about five or six of us in the group. And we're not like a government body. We are just everyday women. So it really gladdens my heart to hear that you heard about us before the call out for this it, it's amazing it really is talk to me about it what happened that you decided to put this petition together yes basically a friend of mine called maria harron she started a instagram chat group called which she named the perry pauses she's a graphic designer so she's very good at putting words together in images and she basically called a group of us into that chat who she knew were, were going through perimenopausal and menopausal symptoms. And like my friends, we're all about action. And I kept noticing within our chat group and other platform menopausal chat rooms and platforms I was in, that there was a reoccurring theme of misinformation or under diagnosis around menopause with local GPs. And I just thought to myself, I have to do something about this. And I've had experience in the past with doing petitions. So I just thought, why not start a petition and see where it goes? It's interesting you say that. I've done a few episodes on the problems with the education for doctors with regards to menopause. Because it is a real issue, isn't it? Mm. When I went through menopause a good few years ago now, but I didn't know anything about it. And that's part of the problem. I just thought, I honest to God thought I was losing my mind. I did not know what was going on. And I went to yeah. my GP, who was a woman herself. Unless... Yeah, go on. Unless. No, I was gonna... yeah, I was going to say, sorry, there's a slight delay. And I think this is one of the big problems as well is that holistically obviously we're just looking at one part of the issue which is education for healthcare professionals but more holistically more broadly there's a lack of education and understanding about menopause as the the 
the umbrella term for all of us. A lot of women coming into menopausal part of their life unprepared and don't have enough information. Because menopause, as you may know, can mirror other symptoms or can be brought on, like other symptoms can be brought on, a lot of people don't may not even realise they're going through the menopause and it can be a quite a scary period. Oh, totally. I've gotten to the stage now, and particularly after doing so many podcasts on menopause, where I just say to people, if you're over 40 and you've got some weird symptom and you don't want, know what's going on, it's probably menopause. <laughs> There's so many different things. Yeah. Oh, peg it. Yeah. And I think the thing is as well, and this is my personal feeling, is that as women, there's an unsaid thing that we just soldier on. There's so many things where we just, and I suppose as you get older, depending on if you've decided that you want children or not, or if you've got a partner, the further you go down the line and the more people that you bring into your life, you tend to put yourself a bit on the back burner, that you prioritise other people's well-being and health above your own. And so sometimes you go through having and quite can be quite debilitating symptoms without actually seeking help and support because you're putting other people's needs before your own and ignoring your own health. Yeah, and we're just not present because it can be changes that are really gradual as well. And you don't necessarily realise that. You know, you just think it's the stress of your job or the stress of the kids. One of the kids is having a meltdown. Your husband's having a tough, or your partner's having a tough time at work. Whatever it is can be put down to something else. They're all kind of tiny changes. But I do feel like we are discounted women, particularly around menopause or period pains is another one. (laughs) So a great TikTok video. Oh, yeah, Uh, don't even get me. Ah. Isn't it shocking? It's just normal. Take a couple of panels. Can I give you an example? Yeah. Yeah. And can I just give you an example that's just recently happened around that exact subject about dismissiveness around our that the health of women and what we go through. So my daughter recently was told by her PE teacher because she said she had really bad stomach cramps and period pains. And he said to her, which I find it completely inappropriate anyway. I've got a lot of women in my family who have periods and all of them are all right. So you've just got to get on with it. Wow. Yeah, exactly. And I think that just shows the dismissiveness of women's health, our symptoms as women. And I also feel that sort of leads into what we're talking about with menopause is that even though healthcare professionals know that there's evidence-based information around what can happen to a woman in menopause but they go with the perception that I think even if you look at what menopause means on the internet that basically it's something that's really easily self-managed and just not just because these things are quite can be quite big as well but it's just basically brain fog hot sweats hot flushes and night sweats and that's about the crux of it and as I was told by one GP because I've been to a few as I'm as I know a lot of women have told oh it'll probably only last for five years and in that in itself is misinformation because when I asked what part of it only lasts for five years 
he didn't specify if he was just talking about perimenopause, menopause or postmenopause. And I think that's, with, I'm sure we're going to touch on it, but this is part of the, this is why it's so important that our GPs, our local GPs have this education because they don't even know, it seems, the terminology around menopause and the symptoms that need to be looked at when diagnosing women who are coming in. It's an interesting topic, isn't it? Because when I went to my GP, she basically said to me, I was struggling with depression. I had no energy. I wasn't sleeping properly. I had all these rashes everywhere. And she said to me, here's some antidepressants. Here's some sleeping tablets. You'll be okay in a few years. Wow. She, she in a few even, years. In a few years. But she didn't even mention that it was probably perimenopause. She didn't tell me that. She just said you'll be okay in a yeah. few years. Well, but why? And, and, and it's like that. And a few years as well, a few years, like that's a light thing. Like not a few days, a few months. A few no. years is absolutely acceptable to be going through what you're going through. is quite disgusting as well, is it not? It is. It's almost as though it doesn't matter. Because it happens to every woman, it yeah. doesn't matter. That's right. Almost. It's dismissed. Yes, completely. And it's Yeah, not it's pretty right. much dismissed. And it's not like you can go to your GP, say, if you had a skin problem, if you had impetigo or something or really bad eczema, and you'd end up being referred to a dermatologist, there is nobody they can refer you to for menopause. So the information has to come from the GP. It has to. Yeah. And can I just ask you something, Karen, sure. which I think is really important because of something recently that happened to me when I was talking about MHT. When your doctor prescribed you an SSRI, did they talk about the possible complications or symptoms around no. that? No. Doc, I ended no. up going colicky on okay. it because it really impacted me badly after a couple of months. And I read all the information on it and, you went, and I just went, you know what, I'm just going to cold turkey this. And I was knocked for six for about four days I literally could not move off the lounge with the head pings with it but I felt so much better yeah emotionally even though I couldn't move I was incapable of moving and the poor kids because I got four kids they just had to look after themselves while this was going on because I could do nothing but then I was a lot better but no never mentioned anything about any possible side effects complications mm -hmm. any nothing not a thing no, didn't mention why I was doing it. How just told me I was depressed. Yeah. I'm also, I've got to tell you, I'm also one of the lucky recipients. So I know all about doctors experimenting on women. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah. 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 No, it's interesting. I'll tell you why I asked that. And it might be something we circle back to. But I had the same thing. So I went to a few different doctors throughout my journey and as some symptoms exacerbated and others joined the party. <laughs> and one of my key things that's been a constant throughout my perimenopause, menopause journey has been all brain related. So mind-based with mood, anxiety, all that sort of stuff. And so I, I too initially was put on to, offered a sheet of different antidepressants and asked to pitch which one I fancied. 
And at no point when I was even prescribed them, yeah, I know it's, it's quite unbelievable. No point when I was prescribed them was I given the, what, sorry, bit brain fog here, possible that's it, side effects of, of what happened. So in my case, I took them for two days and read that um, one of the really um, severe side effects is that you could have suicidal tendencies. And at no point was any of the side effects discussed with me. And I literally took myself off them in two days because I'd never felt so horrific in my life. However, when it came to discussing possible MHT treatment, I was given all the side effects. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> that is fascinating, isn't it? My, a friend of mine's just had exactly the same experience. Yeah. She was given SSRIs and took herself off them because she said she was suicidal and she's never been suicidal. And then she, when she Googled it, it's one of the major side effects. Nobody told her. But, yeah, there's a worry about the side effects of MHT and obviously it's well practiced and I've done a lot of research and I think it's down to the old women's health initiative report that was done ages ago which started the whole thing about how serious and the terrible side effects of which was then called HRT MHT here and I think that it seems to me a lot of our local GPs are going off that old information so they think you get that from obviously all of our experiences, you get the impression that because these antidepressants have been ticked off by the TGA or what have you, all good. So don't worry about talking about the side effects. But when it comes to MHT, there's still this myth and stigma around it. So you get the full, not right act, but the full enchilada when it comes to talking about MHT and the possible side effects there. So very unbalanced. It's interesting, isn't it? You got a group of friends together. You were all talking about menopause and perimenopause. Was that because none of you knew what was going on? Yeah. What happened? I think it was, it was actually my friend Maria Harron who got the peripauses group together. And, yeah, she just noticed in different quarters, obviously it must have been that a lot of people were having similar conversations with her. And even a good friend of mine was having separate conversations with me off the side. And again, majority of it was all mind-based issues, which are very de debilitating and can have a severe impact on your everyday life. So she must have been having all these separate conversations with everyone and thought, yes, we're all going through similar struggles. And because there is a, a lack of information out there as far as what the GPs know, it was like, yeah, let's strengthen numbers, let's advocate and support each other. And then, yes, she created the group because the thing is, as you say, I hope you said, I'm not sure you did. Sometimes you think to yourself, when you don't have a firm diagnosis, is it this or is it me? Am I going crazy? And so you need some ready support for somebody to support how you're feeling and recognize, acknowledge how you're feeling and to say either that, yes, that is a menopausal symptom, or if they're not sure to say, yes, look, you should ask for help. You're not going crazy. Put yourself first for once and go and seek proper advice just to have that ready support. Yeah, it's funny that we don't feel that we have that because this has been a big thing of mine is that the more information 
everybody has available, the less anxiety it will cause. Because when something happens and you suddenly stop sleeping or you suddenly get anxious and you haven't been anxious before, you can put it down to other causes. But if you know this is menopause, it actually takes a lot of the stress and worry out of it because you're not thinking, oh, my God, am I losing my mind here? <laughs> yeah. And I think I think one thing is that what we were talking about before about periods. So in my mind, anything to do with when we're still productive <laughs> and of, and I know this sounds really harsh, but of value to, to society because we can reproduce. So there's lots of information around that, right? Periods, menstruation, even though, like you say, to a degree, there's still that thing of, yeah, you've got a period, off you go. And as is the case of either end of our life, if you suffer from fibroids or really heavy bleeding, that's not discussed as much. And I've even known people who've had to take medication because their periods have really altered their mood. But again, not discussed as much, but there is information around periods. And again, when we're still reproductive and can have babies, there's more information around that. Now come to menopause when we're not, when we're coming to the end where we can't produce babies. And so then our value declines. And this isn't me saying this, but feel a societal thing. We get less information. So there's very little information. There's no education in schools or anything like, so in the UK, just recently they've adopted, I think for 12 years and over education around menopause in schools, which is fantastic. But we don't have that broad education around menopause as we do with periods and and pregnancy it's just not considered and I think there's a few things is that one again there's a, that preconceived notion that it's only three things and women will just handle it even within the clinical realm and other there's a lot of stigma around it even though a lot of I think there's about 2.5 million women around that in the workforce who are perimenopausal, menopausal. So we make up a massive amount of the workforce. There's just not a lot of discussion around it. And there's still a lot of stigma around talking about menopause, because I think people think it's just the sort of put out to pasture hair whisker end of a woman's life, chin whiskers end of a woman's life. And we don't really need to discuss it. They'll just get on with it themselves. And the other thing is, of course, is that in this day and age, we like in my mum's time and even my grandmother's time, there was social circles of women, physical circles of women that could support each other, even though I think a lot of women didn't understand their symptoms as well for the reasons I've already mentioned. They had those support systems, whereas now we're so disconnected that we need to find those social circles in social media now. So there's so many different things. Anyway, I'm going off. <laughs> No. Topic of no, you're actually not because it's all relevant as to because menopause is something that even now isn't really discussed. 20 years ago, it would be behind the hand women's problems and yeah. just dismissed that way. But it is something that like with periods, boys know it, guys know about periods, boys learn about periods in school. They They get that kind, they understand, not deeply, but they get it menopause I don't think half of them would have a clue what it is otherwise mum's going through a hard time she's just having a rough one 
but they wouldn't know yeah. what happens. And that is, considering we make up half the population and if we all get old enough, we're going to go through it, there's a big missing there. Yeah, and it's funny because a girl, a young woman I approached about talking about it, she was 25, she said to me, why are you asking me about it? I'm only 25. And again, that's a signaler that it's something you don't, it's like for somebody who may be in their late 50s, 60s, it's nothing to worry about now, but we don't have that same education and we don't talk about it in the same way where we talk about, say, periods or pregnancy. I wouldn't say that, say, a younger girl would go, why are you telling me about pregnancy? But we have that sort of mindset about, menopause it's that's something I don't need to worry about now I'm so far away from that where in fact it's just yeah you don't have to have a great knowledge but you do it's just good like you say to have an a basic understanding of what could possibly happen which is above and beyond just some hot flushes and night sweats and it Mm. can be a lot more complicated than that for a lot of women yeah, and it can also hit you really young. I did talk to somebody a couple of years ago. She went through perimenopause. She was menopausal in her early 30s, and that was brought on by stress. Yeah. She, and she yeah. had no awareness of what could be happening. So that's another reason to have everybody understand about it so that you can pick it up because she didn't know what was going on with her. And she ended up not being able to have a family. Yeah, and that's another thing is that, again, when I first had my first initial couple of diagnoses of it's possibly menopause, they use that terminology, not a menopausal, in in your menopausal journey, which encompasses all stages of menopause. Not once until I started being part of this group and talked about it with other people, was the terminology perimenopause or postmenopause used? And that's so that's another misnomer that people think that the menopause journey is just that year after you cease having periods when it's not. As you said, it can be up to 10 years before, which is a perimenopausal period. In some cases, people can go into early menopause. I watched a show where a young girl, a woman, was diagnosed with having peri- like menopause when she was 12. And then the other thing, and this is the other reason why our GPs have to know about this and use the right terminology and phrases and understand this, is obviously people can go through menopause like clinical, chemical menopause, i.e. if they're having cancer treatment, I've found out. And if you have, I think your ovaries removed. So there's chemical menopause as well. It's not just natural. So a lot of I've even read with some something recently where they said menopause is the period at the like the end of your near the end of your life or something. And I was like, that's not factually true. That's for natural menopause, not for anything other than that. And as I say, and not and I think it should be for say for most women and natural menopause to use that terminology so that it's it signifies that there are other women and young girls who can have it at earlier stages of life and obviously AFAB and people who have to have go through chemical menopause. 
But it also, if you think of the average life expectancy, it is not towards the end of our life, really, because if we go through menopause when we're in our early 50s, we've probably got another 30 odd years to go of life expectancy. So that well, association yeah, well, there you go. that's another thing. Is in, in terms of oh, your approach in the end of your life, that, as far as I'm concerned, is another big problem because psychologically that tells the woman that, oh, my goodness, the end is nigh, <laughs> when it's not true. And, again, it draws on to another thing that we are talking about before, us, where why back in maybe a few generations women weren't expected to live beyond a certain time. Again, that's why it probably wasn't discussed as much. And fast forward to now, say from my grandmother's generation to my mother's, what, how the world has changed and women's place in it at this time of life is actually changed. So as I was saying again, we, were, we make up a large part of the workforce. We, I feel that we're in the, you're in the prime of your life where you want to, there's so many things that you want to do with such active members of the community and our life expectancy has gone up. And yet there is still this perception now, which is that menopause is for when you've got granny chin hairs and you're old, no longer probably working, and then it's just hot flushes and not what we are, which is active members of the community, which we both are. It's really fascinating. And I think that's one of the stigmas that we've got to, because that was the hardest thing I had to confront was actually that thing, that association with it being, okay, it's the end of your usefulness as a person. You're no longer useful. Yeah, exactly. That's right. And when That's it right. combines with around the time of you having an empty nest, if you've got kids or retiring, if you're working or both, it's, it is almost like a death sentence in psychologically to yourself. It's not healthy and it's absolutely not true. No, and I think it was Davina McCall. She said she's got a book out called Menopause In, so she's a UK presenter for anybody who doesn't know. And she said it's the springtime of your life, and it is. And this is the thing. If you probably diagnosed, it can be once you know what you're dealing with and anything where you've got symptoms, you can find a good balance to give you the best quality of life. It, it, we are. It's the prime of our lives. Yeah, absolutely. And, there, and I think, so, like you said before, it's like it is. Uh, yeah, sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say, so with this petition, what is it you're hoping to achieve? What was the, I know you saw the because GPs haven't got the education that they need and I'm not individual I know GPs are great and everything and they've got a gazillion topics to cover it's still a missing so what is it you want to get out of this who do, who are you talking to exactly yeah so obviously we're talking to the government because the thing is as you say yes fair enough they do have a lot of things that they have to know but for instance, there's, say, top five conditions, chronic conditions, that don't vary that much over, uh, over each year that I think, you know, GPs should be aware of and they do practice in. But as we said before, local GPs around Australia, it is guaranteed that at some stage in a woman's life, 
over 50% of their patients will come into them to talk about menopausal symptoms. That is guaranteed. The top five are not guaranteed. Menopause is. So that's why with this petition, we want it to be that menopause education, evidence-based and constant ongoing education is a priority for all local GPs around Australia. Because as we were saying, there's a misconception, even with GPs, about what exactly menopause is. Using the right terminology and language and understanding that it's pre-menopause and post, which a lot don't talk about. If they've got proper education and it's prioritised, they will find the latest evidence-based information about MHT and other therapies and things that they can prescribe for women. Also understand that because with menopause, as we know, it's just not one symptom. You usually get a variety of different symptoms, which means that it can't be done in a short consult. It has to be a long consult. And also, one of the things that keeps happening, a reoccurring theme as well, is that women are being told they're too young because, again, of this misconception that it's from 50 plus. They don't take into consideration perimenopause. They don't take into consideration that a small percent of women, young girls, will go through very early menopause. They don't take into consideration if somebody is having to go through chemical menopause and what that might mean. And obviously, we need it to be our local GPs, because even for me, I went um, to a specialist and they referred me back to my GP because of I have an under, underlying condition of um, blood pressure. So this is the other thing, is that I can't speak to loads of specialists because I've only got my one instance. But normally, it tends to be that specialists only specialise in that one thing, hence why they're called specialists. And they can't maybe diagnose you for certain different alternative therapies because they don't understand your medical history and your local GP does. So that is why it's so important. They are the gatekeeper to all knowledge and our, our history and everything. And also, it's so important that it's local GPs because obviously, as Karen, regardless of whether it's menopause or something else, there's health disparities within remote, rural, people with socio socioeconomic problems, the Aboriginal Torres Strait and Islander community, people living with underlying conditions, people who are living with a disability. There's so many other things that you have to consider and so many different types of women that it has to be with the local GP first because that is an accessible and, and hopefully equitable service the majority of us can access. Not everybody has got the capacity or the financial ability to see a specialist. And the other thing is, you can only go to a specialist if you know you've got what you've got. So that's the thing. It's, it's all one and good people go, go to a specialist. But if you don't even know you've got, got menopausal symptoms, you're not going to go. So again, it goes back to the local GP. They have to be the main source.
What is the percentage, do you know? Because I know, I'm aware that until a few years ago, and I'm talking less than five years ago, menopause was an optional extra in your medical degree. You didn't have to study it at all. Do you know what the percentage or or what proportion of GPs actually have studied anything to do with menopause? No, as far as I know, it's like I've only, it's been really hard to get any information just online about RAC GP and what the modules are. So I really don't know. All I know is, and I've tried to look up information online. So I found like a, a module and it was really funny. So they talked about hormone, what did they say? Hormone fluctuations. They didn't mention um, in this training module that I found about menopause broadly or as a separate subject. And when they did a case study, it was for a 52-year-old woman. So not somebody who was perimenopausal. No, I don't know. I think as far as I'm aware, it's like, it, I know in the UK, it's just an e-module. That's voluntary. And I don't think, and like I say, this is just my personal opinion. I'm not sure of the, this isn't evidence-based, but I believe that they don't have to do it at undergraduate as well. So it's not something that's done early on in the piece. I just want to burst out laughing. Regardless. It's just, it's ridiculous. It's treated like it's an optional extra. It's an optional extra to study something that half the population is going to go through. I know, and I can't can't emphasise enough. It's over 50% of the population and it guaranteed to happen I was saying I did a radio interview a while ago and I said the common phrase is it's guaranteed that death and taxes are guaranteed in life and for women add menopause to that list because it's true and the other thing is that people have said is that if this was a male condition it would be sorted out by now problems with libido we get Viagra just done deal and I feel that's the patriarchal side of it does come into it. Oh, I totally agree. Have you read that book by Gabriel Jackson? What's it called? Pain and Prejudice. That's She's a, no. a British journalist who works for The Guardian Australia and it was a bestseller a few years ago, but she looked into the differences in the medical industry worldwide between how women are treated and how men are treated. Really great read. And I did talk to her about the book a a, a while ago. She was incredibly, like all the statistics, she's got all of those statistics. And it Mm. was fascinating to see women's hormones cause so many problems for the experiments they experiment on the male subjects so that the women's hormones don't stuff up the results basically is what happens yep yeah I I, even though it's not related per se but saying about that I just remembered you'll probably go yeah I know about that how things like when they invented seat belts they only tried them out on men not women so didn't account for breasts or anything like that all the differences in our bodies and it's just atypical so typical of a lot of how research is done even with I don't want to say the wrong thing but there was I think I'm not sure I could be do forgive me if I'm wrong but I think it was like when they were saying the prevalence of heart disease it was more they based it around men and not women 
and something to do with because they concentrated on the prevalence in men, the reduction of heart disease went down for men, but stayed the same for women. Things like that. Yeah, anyway, that's... I get, I get so annoyed. <laughs> no, it's fine. Because I know um, that once you are menopausal, once you, you're postmenopausal, then your likelihood of having a heart attack is the same as men. Yeah. Most and, people and obviously don't know one that. Of, Yeah, and another thing I'll talk about America because I couldn't find the facts for Australia, so I just, as far as my research... But obviously one of the other things and why it it doesn't have to just, it's not just about doing training and education as a one-off. It needs to be ongoing is because obviously there's the talk and linkage to osteoporosis being another massive thing that's connected to. And, that's, and the thing is, when we talk about menopause, one of the key things, it's not so much even to even like testosterone, 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 sorry. And progesterone are um, important in this talk. It's estrogen, which is the main thing. That's the lack of estrogen. So when we talk about menopause, I think there needs to be concentration when we're look, talking about education for GPs about exactly in a woman's body what the lack of estrogen or the part estrogen plays in our body and the lack of or the of estrogen, what the side effects of that can be. Say, for instance, I'm part of a, a group that's based was created in America, and the, their findings in the book that I was reading is saying that ADHD is exasperated by menopause or probably lack of estrogen. And also one of the other findings from the States is the connection between menopause and exasperation of asthma. So this is why, again, it's so important that ever because this is just from me I'm just a regular person who's looked up all this information but this is why again it's important that it comes from our GPs that they are learning the effects of estrogen on the women's body all the things that it controls affects and what the lack of estrogen means to women all the things that it can affect all the new things that they're finding out that it can affect even I was on, as I say, I'm on this platform, which is an American-based platform, and I kid you not, just yesterday, this woman said, I'm not making it up, but I think for, since going through menopause, it's affected my asthma. So there you go. So we're going to wrap up in a few minutes. Is, there, like any, a, and, is there anything yeah. else you want to share? Yes, yeah, so desperately, obviously the thing that's really important to share is that to be, become a debate in Parliament, we'd need to reach 100,000 signatures. But at least to get a response from government, we need to reach 10,000 signatures through change.org for compre comprehensive sorry, um, GP education for Australian GPs. We're nearly at that target, but we'd love your listeners to sign and share our petition. And I'll give you the details. So please go to change.org forward slash peripauses to sign and share our petition. We only need, I think we're up to possibly just over, we just need just over 400 signatures to get to our first milestone so we can get it to Parliament. Oh, fantastic. And the link will also be in the show notes for the episode. So 
you can't remember that, it will be in the show notes. But thank you so much. This has been real fun and so educational. Thank you. (laughs) And like like I say, I'm only one woman, so hence why we need evidence-based information to come from our GPs. We do. Go sign the petition, guys. Thanks, Julia. Thank you so much, Karen. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and rate and review this podcast and share it with your friends. And don't forget, if you've been thinking how great it would be to have your own podcast so that you can interview guests and speak to people about the topics that you're interested in personally, head on over to speakuppodcasting.com to find out just how easy and cheap it is for you to start podcasting. There's a download on how to start a podcast for free waiting there for you. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time.